Mark chapter number 2. Let's have a good time. Can we determine that? And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was, what's the last phrase, church? In the house. Come on, you got to say it better than that. It was noise that he was. Is Jesus in the house this morning? I wonder. I wonder if Jesus' presence is welcome in this place. He promised us where two or three are gathered that he would be in the midst. Listen, this is not a show for people to come and parade their Christianity. This is not some museum for us to show and see how good we can look. But this is a hospital, and the great physician, I believe, is in this place. Jesus is in the house. Now notice what happens when Jesus is in the house. Verse number two. And straightway, many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Notice here the people that rush in to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now I can just tell you by way of introduction, even though we're only in the second uh, chapter of Mark, Jesus has done so many things already in his launch of his ministry. He's already turned water into wine. He's already healed the royal officer's son. He healed a demon-possessed man. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. I often wonder, how did Peter think about that? Maybe mixed emotions. I'm not sure. But he healed the sick and the possessed after sunset. He caused Peter to catch that multitude of fish. He healed a leopard, and he healed a centurion servant. Basically, what I'm saying is Jesus had it going on. Jesus was more than a man. He was the God man. He was so much man that he slept in a boat, but the songwriter said he was so much God that the winds obeyed when he spoke. I mean, there was no other man like him, and and the word begins to spread like the modern-day paparazzi of their time. Somebody heard about this miracle worker. Somebody heard about the man who had the power over the supernatural, and they rushing, the people rushing to the room. Why? To get a glimpse. Why? To get a touch of what Jesus is doing. And can I tell you now, for 2,000 years, can you believe that? He's just some Jewish carpenter, some obscure person on the face of this earth who should never have been written in the pages of history. He never traveled more than 100 miles from his home. He never had a college degree. He never wrote a book, but armies marched. Listen to me, governments now govern because of the mantra of the cross. Can I tell you, the people have been rushing in to places of worship for 2,000 years because there's still power. Do you believe it? There's still power in the name of Jesus. So I see all these people and they want to see the Son of God. Look what the Bible says. All these people rush into the house and what does Jesus do? And he preached the word unto them. I don't know, maybe this morning we have um, some people who either this is your first time or this is your first time in a long time. And by the way, don't, get, don't be afraid of all these churchy people I have here. And I'm addressing, you know. That's what I call my people that grew up in church, churchy people. We have our own language. It's called Christianese, you know. <laughs> don't, be, don't be afraid of all those people because like the pastor said, none of us have it together. None of us have it figured out. The only thing we figured out is Jesus. Is he is a, a friend of sinners. And so we're glad you're here. But I want you to know the reason why we open up the Word of God, the reason why I I proclaim the Word of God is because Jesus was a preacher. And if Jesus was a preacher, it's good enough for me. And so I see the people, I see the preacher. Now, can you imagine, imagine with me, can you imagine sitting down and listening to Jesus Christ preach the Word of God? John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here is the Word of God preaching 
the Word of God. Can you, imagine, can you imagine how Jesus would just drop it down? Can you imagine Jesus as he would lay it out? I mean, Jesus said some of the most revolutionary things. He says things that even to this day people can't understand. His teaching was revolutionary. They said, you don't talk like those other guys talk. You talk and you speak as one who has the authority. And that's because he is the authority. Do you remember what Jesus said? Oh, I love it. Can you imagine you're in his presence and he says something like, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you for it's easy and my burden is light. And then he said something that was kind of cool. He said, learn of me. You say, why is that cool, Pastor Kirk? Because not only was he the teacher, but he was also the subject. I'm saying, can you imagine listening to Jesus Christ give the word of God? He spoke like no one else spoke. He preached like no one else preached. And people responded to the word and he preached the word unto them. And the power of his preaching drew Someone who was in need, someone who had an issue, someone who desperately need the touch of God. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but it would be worth me to drive all the way from Cincinnati, Ohio to Columbus, Ohio. It would have been worth everything we've gone to to be here. Just if one person who needed the touch of God this morning could, could see Jesus and turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full into his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Notice verse number three. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. I see the people who rush in to see the preacher, and then I see the palsy man. Now, give me just... Can I take five minutes for a second? Can I ask you this question? Who was this palsy man? The Bible doesn't even identify him by name. Now, there's other characters in the New Testament. We know what their name were. Even poor people. Remember blind Bartimaeus? We learned his name. We, we learned some of these other people. We learned about Jairus's daughter. We, know, we get some names. We get some insight. We get some detail here. But under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, the writer here doesn't even, and which, by the way, probably Peter relayed this to Mark, but he didn't even take the time to get this palsy man's name. What I believe we have an epidemic in the church of God in 2015, and if I can address this, maybe the case is not here at fellowship, but if I would address my congregation, I believe we have a church, we have a powerless church, because we are, we are not worried about those that can't do anything for us. Just a poor beggar man, palsy man, a cripple man. How did, he, how did he live? How did he survive? Did he have any parents? Remember, in that, in that culture, they thought that handicapped people had the curse of God on them. Remember, the blind man and the disciples said, who sinned, this man or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, but for the glory of God, I've allowed this man to be blind. So they had an idea that, that, that a handicapped people had a curse, had a scourge on their life. Do you, do you know there's still people in this world today who think just because you're poor or just because you're a certain color or just because you live in a certain neighborhood that maybe the blessings of God, maybe the favor of God is not on you? But I read in my Bible that the Lord is not a respecter of any person. It doesn't matter what color. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. Jesus Christ, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall call. Listen, that's what I'm saying. 
But there's some people who had the idea that, well, well, he's handicapped, he's poor. Maybe the favor of God, maybe the blessings of God, maybe God loves me a little better than he loves him. Oh, I know we wouldn't say that outside with our lips, but we say it in our hearts with our lives. When's the last time you drove down the highway, you saw a man holding a sign? What do we do when that happens? What did I do when that happened? I try to turn the radio station. I, I try not to make eye contact. I've heard some of the most horrible things that people have said and done. That, you lazy bum, get a job. Well, God changed my heart when he sent me into the largest population of homeless people in Cincinnati, Ohio. He sent me to what was 2009's most dangerous neighborhood in the United States of America, over the Rhine, Cincinnati. Some of you, I heard some of you gasp. <laughs> or some, you heard of the riots in 2001 in Cincinnati. That was in our neighborhood where we started our church. I remember one time when we were starting, and boy, we didn't know, and this was the dumb way to do it. I, 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 that's been my mantra. I'll do it the dumb way, then let, watch God fix it, you know. How many of you testify to that, you know? Do it the dumb way and let God fix it. And so we didn't know anybody in Cincinnati. Me and my, my wife, we just kind of parachuted in there, and we just believed God. We were stupid enough, young enough, dumb enough to believe God could start a church in the middle of the, of the 2009's most dangerous neighborhood. And so we did all we could do, though. And so we prayed, and then we, we went out. And I remember walking down, if you're familiar with Cincinnati, we, went, we walked south on Vine Street, and, and I would be on the west side of, and walking south. And I would, I would, I would have uh, these gospel tracks, and I'd, anybody I walked past, I'd give them a gospel track, invite them to a church, and, and then I would go all the way down to, to Starbucks, and then I get a little refresher, and, and I cut over, and I start heading north on the east side of Vine Street. I walk past Fountain Square, and I remember a man who was kind of stumbling, and he was kind of stammering, and he came in front of me. He said, hey, 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 where are you? Where are you? You some kind of pastor? I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. He said, well, hey, hey, give me some money. I'm hungry. Well, I, I have a certain habit. I don't, I don't give people money, but I give somebody what is more valuable than money. You say, what's more valuable than money? Your time. So it's easy to throw a, a couple of dollars. It's, it's easy to throw a five spot, Pastor Tony, but it's a lot harder to give him five minutes. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know, no, so normally my custom is, you know, if somebody says they're hungry, usually what I say, well, I'll go get you some food. I'm not giving you money, but I'll get you food. And usually if, they, if they're trying to hustle, if they're common, then they have an excuse why they don't need food even though they're hungry. <laughs> well, it didn't work this time. He said, Okay called my bluff. <laughs> well, in, in Fountain Square, right, right in the heart of, of Cincinnati, there is, uh, there's only a couple of restaurants, and the one that we're right next to, there's a Chipotle, and all God's people said, amen. amen. <laughs> Am I in good company this morning? Okay. And there's a Panera Bread. Now, usually I like to go to Wendy's, McDonald's, go on the dollar menu, and ain't no dollar menu at Chipotle or Panera Bread. I'm about to come out my pocket for this fool. I felt, the, I felt God say, what's more valuable than money? It's your time. Give me your time, Pastor Kurt. I said, okay, well, let's, let's walk in the Panera Bread. At least I can get a cup of coffee. And we walk in the Panera Bread, and I remember, I remember it so vividly. He ordered a tuna fish sandwich. I'm thinking in my mind, your breath already stank. What are you getting a tuna fish sandwich for? <laughs> forgive me. Forgive me. He get a tuna fish, and I get a cup of coffee. I sit down, and and I began to have a conversation. Because here's, here's the thing. The, the, the palsy man was living his life, and I had never walked in his shoes. I had never seen what he's seen. And so I wanted to sit down, and I wanted to find out 
what this man was living with, what he was dealing with. Because, you know, people who are drunkards, they're drinking for a reason. See, we see the outside, but something's going on in the inside. I tried to have a conversation. I didn't get very far. He was pretty plastered. And then he said this, Pastor, you got a phone? I think this fool's trying to jack me. I said, yeah, I got a phone. He said, do you mind if I call my mom? She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. I know some people in Atlanta. I said, okay, yeah. I know the area code. What's the area code? He said, 770. I said, okay. I said, "Um, what's the rest of the number? I dial the rest of the number, and I give him the phone. And I don't know if y'all been around. Y'all pretty sanctified. I don't know. But you you ever been around drunk people? They are so loud on the phone, you know. Mama! Mama, I promise you this is what he said. Did you send that money I asked about? I'm thinking, oh, Lord, have mercy. Talked a little bit. And then he said, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here he is, here he is. And he hands me the phone. And this moment, church, is about to change my life forever. And on the other line, I said, hello, this is Pastor Kirkland. On the other line is the most sweetest southern peach of a lady that I've ever heard on the phone. And she said this, Pastor, and this is about to change my life, church. She says, Pastor, thank you for caring about my son. Thank you for caring about my son. See, that's what we forget in in verse number three. They bring one sick of the palsy. He was more than just some nameless cripple man. He was somebody's son. He was somebody's blood. And so the next time you have an encounter, the next time you have a divine appointment, whether it's somebody on the side of the road, whether it's somebody in the grocery store, whether it's somebody who's broke down, I'm telling you, that is somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. And at least it's a soul for which Jesus died for. Notice this. I see the people. I see the preacher. I see the palsy man. But notice this. The Bible says, which was born of four. I see a partnership. Four people get together to bring this man to Jesus. Now, I don't, I, I, I don't know exactly, but I'm just using my sanctified imagination. I wonder how it went down. Normally, four people aren't just sitting around having, you know, dinner and they say, what do you want to do? Well, I want to I carry this smelly homeless guy to Jesus. No, it's more like, you know, when the next time y'all want to go eat? That's how we think, right? Y'all want to, no. So this is what I imagine. I imagine there was a leader in their group. There's always a leader. And I imagine maybe this guy walked past this palsy man on a regular basis. Maybe he grew up with this palsy man. Maybe on his way to work, this palsy guy would cry out, any help? Do you have any help for a cripple? And this man would, would give him a little something here and there. And finally, he had heard enough. Finally, that palsy man had begged enough. And he said, listen, God, you know that, palsy, you know that cripple man? You know that handicapped guy that's on the corner all the time? He said, yeah, you know, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, little Ray Run's son. Yeah, his son. Yeah, hey, hey, you hear about this guy? who can heal lame people? Have you heard about this guy who's healing blind people? I mean, surely if he can heal somebody who's a leper, he can heal this crippled guy. Hey, would y'all help me? Hey, I need, I need three more people. Can we get one for each corner? Wonder, maybe that's why there was four of them. Can we get one for, how do you like to move when you got to move your stuff, huh? You want some help, right? Let me get one person for each corner. Let's move this. Th- and so hit four people. Come on, let's, let's get 
all on our corner and let's get this man to Jesus. And what I believe happened last week when your pastor gave the word, he cast the vision, he's saying this, hey, there's some people out there in this world and they've been discarded, they're in distress, they're depraved. And I'm not saying you got to carry all the load, but could you just get on your corner and help somebody get to Jesus? I think that was the call last week. Verse number four. And when they could not, say could not. When they could not, I see here the problem. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press. You see, there was a problem here. Remember, Jesus comes, he's a miracle worker. They pack out the house and they literally, there is no room to even walk into the building. Now, I'm afraid that some of us with our style, our, our form of Christianity would have laid the guy out by the door and said, hopefully Jesus walks by him on his way to the next town. But these men, these whoever they were, they come together and they have persistence. They get past the press. They get past the problem. The Bible says, and when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. Hold on now, the roof. That, 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 that involves a couple of things that I don't want to do. Number one, getting up on the roof. I pay other people to get up on my roof. It's, it's high up on the roof. Can you imagine? I don't even imagine who you call in to get up on this roof. I, it's high. It's slippery on the roof. It's sloped on the roof, right? Uh, some, that's somebody else's job. See, church, if we're ever going to get people to Jesus, and listen, if you're ever, sir, ma'am, this is your first time here and it's been a first time in a long time, or listen, if you're ever going to get to Jesus, you're going to have to get past the problem. You're going to have to get past the You're going to have to jump over a hurdle. And the question is today, do you have faith enough? Do you have persistence enough? Are you ready to get to Jesus? And so these guys get up on the roof, but that, it doesn't stop there. They get up on the roof. Look what the Bible says. And when they had broken it up, see, they tearing up stuff now. Can I ask you a question? You think somebody owned that house? Now, now don't take me wrong. Don't take me wrong. Don't, don't, don't take this out of context. What is the context? These are Jewish people. Jewish people are frugal people. <laughs> you get up on their roof, you're going to tear up their roof. I guarantee you some guy with those little twirly thing. he said, hey, you're going to have to fix that. Here's, here, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. Men who are willing to carry their corner, men, no matter, and who knows how long they had to carry this guy to get him to the meeting. Men who are willing not to stop when there's a problem. Men who are willing to get up on the roof are men who, number one, are willing to pay for somebody to fix the roof. Or number two, they're going to be up on that roof the next day fixing it themselves. Hey, and children of God, Church of God, Fellowship Baptist Church, I believe a great mantra, a great mission would be this. At least that I could do as a member of this church is come out of my pocket so somebody else can get up on that roof and fix it. But maybe the best thing I could do is get up on the roof and just fix it myself. You with me? If we're going to get somebody to Jesus, hey, nothing ever great has been done with pocket chains or spare time. I'm saying somebody's going to have to get out their comfort zone. Somebody's going to have to risk themselves. Somebody's going to have to get the roof. Somebody's going to have to start a church in the middle of the ghetto. Somebody's going to have to go out and knock some door. Somebody's going to have to invite. Somebody's going to have to pray at this altar. Somebody's going to have to learn to love somebody. Not just love your neighbor, but love your enemy. Somebody's going to have to go the extra mile if we're going to get somebody to Jesus. When they've broken it up. They let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Notice verse number five. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, notice this, son, 
thy sins be forgiven thee. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if this palsy man even had a mom and a dad at the time. Some of you have handicapped children. And I, I have seen an awesome picture of the love of God to watch a mother tend and raise her handicapped child. And I happen to think if there was a mama somewhere who gave birth to this child, she'd be taking care of him. So he's just laid out on the street. I'm thinking maybe mama's not there. Maybe mama's passed away. Maybe he was given up for adoption early on when they found out he had a problem. They thought that was a, a sign of the, of the cursing of God. So I wonder how long, this is my point, I wonder how long it had been since he had heard the word son. What was Jesus saying to that man? He was saying it was a term of endearment. It was a term of relationship. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, welcome to the family. Son. Now notice this, and as I begin to bring this home, and I don't know what y'all do here, but in Cincinnati at this point, I'd have like a little piano player, and the piano players start playing, and when they do that, I get done faster. So somebody I imagine is going to run up here momentarily, right? <laughs> now notice this. Here's the, here's the whole point, church. Here's what God brought me here. Here's what God brought me here for, to tell you. Now why did the four bring the palsy, the crippled man, to Jesus. Why did it happen? So he get healed, correct? Now let me ask you this question. Notice the, the order of Jesus' miracle. When Jesus saw their faith, notice that. When he saw their faith. Whose faith? Their faith. Now who's the there? Is it the crowd? The crowd? No, because the crowd walked past this guy on to the prayer meeting. Was it, was it the cripple? Well, now faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, yeah, that crippled man had to have some faith, but there is plural. There is not singular. So who's the there? The partnership, right? The carriers. See, this is what I need right now. I need, some, I need the church to exercise some faith that God's about to save somebody today. Can you believe that, church? Do you believe God can save a sinner today? Do you believe that God can take someone who is in the deepest, darkest pit of despair and he can place their feet upon a rock and he can establish their going and he can put praise in their mouth? I'm saying the there is the four. The there are the carriers. The there are the ones bringing somebody to Jesus. We need some faith this morning that God's going to do something. He sees their faith. And he says it to the sick of the palsy. You ready for the miracle? You ready? Your legs are healed. Is that what he says first? Oh, this is the message. This is it right here. Your legs are healed. That's what he said first. No, no, he was going there. He was going there, but that's not what he said first. Why? Here it is. Because that was not the man's most important need. It wasn't the man's most important need. Question, will crippled people make it to heaven? Will lost people make it to heaven? When I say that, you're, you die lost in your sin. No. See, you can have two bad legs, but with Jesus in your heart, you got it. But you can have per two perfectly good legs and know Jesus and you don't got anything. See, this is the problem, Christian, with our attitudes. This is the problem when we look down our noses at sinners. See, the greatest problem in America is not a drug problem. The greatest problem in your community is not a crime problem. 
The greatest problem in America is not with somebody's sexual identity. It's not with somebody's sexual deviance. The greatest problem in America is a lack for the gospel of Jesus Christ. A lack for the good news. My friends, the reason why you're drinking is not what's going to send you to hell. The reason that you need Jesus, that's your greatest problem. It's not about the drug. It's not about the alcohol. It's not about the lifestyle. My friends, the greatest hole in your heart is only a God-sized hole. And only God can fill it. You've been drinking, you've been smoking, you've been running around, you've been doing this and that, thinking it's going to fill your life, thinking you can dope yourself into feeling better, thinking you can drink yourself into feeling better. No, the only thing that will relieve your misery is an encounter with the man, the the God-man, Jesus Christ. Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. I wonder if there's anyone under the sound of my voice and and your heart is yearning. The Holy Spirit is touching you saying, oh, I need the forgiveness of God. I need the cleansing touch of God. Can I tell you when the Lord found me, mom and dad was not a Christian. My mom was a 15 year old uh, and she had her, her, my oldest sister when she was 15 years old. My dad at the time, and I say this respectfully, was a drug addict. He was a drunkard. He was a hustler. And and if you would have ever said the least likely candidate for someone to be speaking to the Fellowship Baptist Church would have been Kirk Kirkland, but God found us right where he, we were. God found us right in the middle of our dysfunction. God found us right in the middle of our sin. And, and, and we, uh, and, and he came and he saved uh, God in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, for me. And God used a little bus route. Y'all have some buses around here, don't you? And somebody came to my house, knocked on the door, invited my family to church, and I gave my life to Jesus. And more importantly, listen, uh, he, I, he saved my soul, but notice this, he changed my life. And mom and dad, had the, they had the, I had the wonderful privilege of sharing Christ with my own mother and father. And now every Sunday morning, they drive from Dayton, Ohio, all the way to downtown Cincinnati to be star stellar members of the Revived Baptist Church. Only God can do that. Only God can clean up the drunkard. Only God can clean up the drug addict. Only God can give destiny. Only God can give purpose. Only God can give hope. If you are calling out today, if you are crying out today, call out to God. He said, son, thy son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Now this is, this is what I like. I see the pardon, but notice the protesters. There's always a critic in the crowd. Somebody right now, man, I don't like, I don't like how he preaches. <laughs> He's too loud. He's too fat. He's too bald, you know. No, well, bald is beautiful here, right? Yes. I don't like his stories. I don't like his style. You don't have to like me. Because it ain't about me. I ain't never died on the cross for nobody. I don't have precious blood that can save anybody. But it's about Jesus. What does Jesus look like this morning? How lovely is Jesus this morning? What about the words of Jesus this morning? He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. What are you going to do with Jesus? But there's critics in the crowd. People right now maybe even thinking, maybe you came in and said, yeah, but you don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know what's happened to me. You don't know what they did to me. You, don't, you haven't seen what I've seen. You haven't done what I've done. Okay. Notice how Jesus addressed the critics. They said, how can this guy, how can this guy say that his sins are forgiven? Only God can say 
sins are forgiven. Newsflash, Jesus is God. And Jesus, he knows this, and he perceives it in his heart, and he says this, look, and immediately when Jesus perceived, verse number eight, in his spirit, that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven, or to say, arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that you may know. Why did Jesus heal his legs? Not because he needed a healing of the legs, but so we could see the demonstration of his power. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way in thy house. Notice this verse number 12. And immediately, what what is immediately? That means right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time and immediately he arose and took up the bed and went forth before them all and they were all amazed and what they glorified God saying we never saw it on this fashion I ain't never seen nothing like this and can I tell you why God raised up Fellowship Baptist Church because when you walk around and look at these bricks and you look at these instruments and you look at these people what it is it's a testimony of God's power it's a testimony of God's grace. This is not some museum. This is something for us to say, look what God can do in 2015. He can make lame people walk. He can make, he can make dumb people talk. He can make blind people see. And it's a testimony of the power of God.